0: As you know, this week is hosted by the incredible sleep expert, Dr. Eric Prather. And just to remind you, you can get his entire sleep course, Finding Your Best Sleep, on the Headspace app right now.
1: Hello, everyone. It's Dr. Eric Prather here with some science-backed ways to help you sleep easier. Today, we're talking about sleep trackers. I'll tell you how effective they really are and what they can reveal about why we're not getting more restful sleep. Let's get into it. Whether it's a ring or a watch or a mattress, most of the consumer-based wearable devices are pretty good at estimating total amount of sleep that someone gets because they are good at detecting wake versus sleep. They're also pretty good at estimating how fragmented someone's sleep is because if they're wearing them, they're moving around, these devices generally are movement-based and then use different signal processes like heart rate and breathing rate to try to estimate when someone's sleeping or not. Sleep trackers are everywhere. And I love it because people are so interested in their sleep, but it also can be problematic I think the thing that people often get really tied to is the sleep architecture. So this is you know, whether someone's in deep sleep or REM sleep or light sleep. That's where we haven't quite gotten to a level where it's consistent and valid compared to what we use as the gold standard. We bring people into the sleep lab and we use electrodes on their scalp to estimate the stages of sleep that's going on in their brains. I've had many patients, and I can think of one in particular, where he brought in screenshot after screenshot of his sleep data, and he said, clearly I'm not getting any deep sleep. What do I do? Am I going to get Alzheimer's disease? That's a real feeling. In fact, several years ago, a colleague of mine, Kelly Barron at the University of Utah coined the phrase orthosomnia, and that's an insomnia that develops from wearable devices being hyper-focused in tracking your sleep data. So this individual, we sat down and we looked at his data and we talked about how the distress that that wearable device data was creating was probably feeding into his insomnia. But I think that experience was a good education for him that these wearable devices, though they are engaging, can also lead us astray. And we should keep that in mind when we're trying to make decisions about where we sit in our sleep journey. Sleep trackers are probably pretty good at tracking changes within a person. So, you know, there's lots of daytime things that can impact our sleep, whether it's substances, whether it's napping, whether it's stressors, physical activity, all of which you may be able to see as it impacts your sleep data. This is an opportunity for people to do behavioral experiments on themselves and see how if they do one thing, does it change the sleep metrics that are coming from these consumer devices? So a good example where people can see this in their own data is if you drink alcohol right before bed, you will see an increase in someone's heart rate and you will likely see some changes in their sleep architecture compared to nights when they don't do that. Bottom line is that these are tools to help you understand your behavior and maybe motivate you to make change, but they are not the end-all be-all with respect to someone's sleep. I think the future is bright for sleep trackers. One arena where we'll see the most growth will be the low-hanging fruit of accuracy And I don't think it's a question of if, it's a when, these devices will be able to accurately estimate sleep architecture. I think that will be an incredible breakthrough because then we will be able to scale up measurement within the research community. I mean, the other area that I think is really interesting is from the wearables that can impact sleep. The development of headband-based wearable devices that can actually use, say, tones or beats to sync up with slow wave oscillations in the brain. And there's some kind of early evidence that these devices can actually enhance this, which may have downstream effects on things like cognitive function, memory. Like, I think we're just starting to get into that. And that's really interesting to think that there may be opportunities to enhance sleep using these sorts of tools. We're still a little bit away from that, but those are areas where I think we could see some growth and would just make the sleep field even that much more compelling. Okay, that's it for now. If you found this episode in our sleep course, then great job. I'll see you after your next session with another bonus episode. Thanks so much for listening. Take care and rest well.